Hey, I am so glad that you're joining me in the honest conversations about all things family. I'm Karen Peters, a registered clinical counselor and a mom. Welcome to Parenting in the Trenches. This is going to be a place for us to be real about the mess of parenting. Um, It's a place for you to feel validated and to find some self-compassion and some hope for the road ahead. Let's stand in the mud together because personally I think that is the absolute best place to start. Today we're talking about how anxiety shows up in the classroom, on the playground, in the halls, and how teachers and school counselors are managing that, helping your kids feel supported in that, and some insight about what they might have to say about about what you can do at home, but also how you can advocate and partner up with schools, even in this time where we are uh, not easily connected with school staff. So today we've got a couple of school counselors with us. Um, Megan is a graduate from the counseling program at uh, Trinity Western University. She has her master's in counseling psychology there, and she has since worked at as a school counselor at three different private schools. Um, These private schools cover all the way from kindergarten up to grade 12. And she also has a small private practice, um, which is really focused on the mental health struggles of teenagers. So I'm excited to have her as part of today's episode because as parents, since COVID has hit in particular, we have had a really hard time staying in touch with what is happening inside the school building for our kids. And it makes it harder for us to not just know what's going on for our kids, but um, to feel like we have a window into collaborating with school counselors and with our kids' teachers. So I'm eager to find out how things have been, particularly over the last nine months and beyond that, for kids who struggle with their anxiety. So welcome, Megan. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad I've never done a podcast before, so it's the first time for me, and I feel honored. <laughs> it's very fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to pick your brain today. I Can we start off just to give us a bit of the lay of the land from a school environment perspective, what you're seeing as a school counselor, so that parents have a bit of an idea about how anxiety is showing up in that mm-hmm. environment? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I have the honor of working at a K through 12. So, um, but I'm going to focus a little bit more on the younger ones because those ones, it can be a, a little bit more difficult to fully understand what's going on for them because they can't always put it into words. They struggle more so with that. Right. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for the elementary school that I work at, um, I've found that a lot of actually the anxiety that parents say that parents will come to me and be like, oh, my kid's struggling with anxiety or my kid's struggling with this. And I'll be looking at the parents. I'll be like, um, you're struggling with anxiety. Mm. Uh, and so I have found a lot, like most of the times when I meet with a kid, they'll be like, oh, uh, I had a, de- a bad day because my mom, she was like all frazzled and running around, like just more so talking about how their home environment is impacting them. Uh Um, And so there's a lot to do with the parents' anxieties or what's going on for them internally and emotionally um, being almost projected onto their younger children. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then the kids don't really know what to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the younger ones. They're like, oh, what do I do with that? Like, I don't even know what's going on with my mom. She just is acting strange. The stress is uh, felt. Yeah. yeah high stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so for the more sensitive kids, which are usually the ones that do come to counseling, mm-hmm. um, they, they are more greatly impacted by the environment that they're, um, of their house and, and mm-hmm. by the moods of their parents and their siblings and even their teachers too. So I have seen a little bit more so though with, with kids that have um, maybe even like more explosive behavioral struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, those have been exasperated a few times yeah. and um, gotten a little worse um, just because that anxiety and um, whether it's like fear or their own anxieties or their parents or their siblings or their teachers, right? Or just the change. A lot of kids that struggle with change, right? Have been struggling with like wearing masks and not being able to play with their friends at recess and things like that because they're all in little subgroups, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that has been hard for some kids and just kind of puts them in this mood where they'll they'll kind of like act out randomly and you're like oh hey okay it's and it's just because they don't know how to um they don't really know what's going on for them internally and they don't know how to express it verbally right yeah Yeah. and so i have seen more of that definitely within the school yeah how has it been on your end in terms of being inside the school building, wondering how do you collaborate with parents? Because I would imagine, particularly in your role, you're touching base normally, much yes. you know, regularly with parents about, particularly if you're seeing a thread of that coming from the home environment, then you want to be able to support the whole family, not just the child when they're in your school building. So how, do you, like, how are you navigating that right now? Yeah, that one has been difficult. And it's also difficult to put up a boundary because... Um, I could be consumed completely with parent powers. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> um, and so it's hard to be of support to the, the parents and the family at large, um, but then also be able to have enough time to see the kids. And so I do a lot of parent check-ins via like email. I will kind of just say to them, if anything comes up, just feel free to notify me. Um, if we need to set up a phone call or like a Zoom check-in, we can always do that as well. So a lot of the parents know that if they do have a concern that arises, um, I, like I say that on the get-go, when yeah. I meet with the parents and go through informed consent, I just explain to them, you know what, and especially during COVID, more communication via email um, and like Zoom, like video yeah. calls. Yeah. But feel free to let me know if you need to set one of those up because we for sure can meet up like set up a virtual meeting. So I'm finding that interesting because like from a parent perspective, Mm -hmm. I know like my, my oldest one who just entered grade eight in a private school. So that for Mm -hmm. her is the first year of high school. What a huge jump to go from middle school to high school just Mm -hmm. as is. Right. And I, she's not a communicator. So when she comes home and I ask a question, I get the one word answer, which, you know, for a lot of teens, that's a typical thing, but for her, she struggles to just name a lot of what's happening for her. So that experience has kind of led us to this place as parents where we're like, Hmm, I don't want to burden an already burdened school counselor. I know they've got a lot on their plate, but I'm not getting what I, like, I don't know what the cues are from my kid to know if it's an issue in school. So I just kind of wait thinking, I guess if it's a problem, I'm going to hear from the school, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're hesitating as parents to initiate that contact more often. And I, I'm just 
yeah, just that's a, a struggle because I think mm-hmm. we're honoring the workload of everybody, but also in touch with like, hmm, I bet our kids are not coping so well. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how to connect. So I love that you put out right from the get-go, like, call me if you need to mm-hmm. set something up. Um, I'm, but I'm also aware that I think a lot of parents are hesitating to do that until it's really bad or they're yeah. really aware of it. Yes, absolutely. And that does happen. I usually about four times a year, I will contact all the parents on my list. Um, Usually like by email, because sometimes I don't get a hold of them by phone um, and saying like, Hey, just want to check in how it's going. And then, um, and if you would want to touch base regarding them, um, just so that they know, like I am there to talk to them. And so, and if I give the invite, Oftentimes yes. I will get more of a response of being like, Ooh, I'm actually really struggling with this mm-hmm. or worried about them doing this. So, um, I find that that is one way to, to be more welcoming in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I am also involved with like the resource room and the resource teachers mm-hmm. and the EAs. And so yeah. for my students that do have IEPs, um, like learning differences, then, I will always be in those IEP meetings and things like that. And so I am updated by the resource room as well. So I do regularly meet with parents um, whose children do have learning differences as well. So that's another Another structure, right? Yeah. That's kind of set up. Yeah. Yeah. And for me to just connect with parents on that sense. So um, yeah, that is helpful as well. Just that I get a communicate with parents regarding their, the academic side and the mental health side, because those are so interlinked, right? On that note, how, what are you seeing in terms of the impact of kids' anxiety levels on their ability to engage in school? Yeah, I would say focus is a big thing that um, when kids are anxious, when there's something internally going on for them uh, and they're struggling to regulate it, uh, of course, they're not going to be able to focus as well, right? Um, and so some kids, unfortunately, especially ones that struggle, um, like have ADHD or, Mm -hmm. um, a learning difference of some sort are struggling a little bit more in that sense. Um, and especially if their home environment is a little bit more stressful too, or if they have a lot of siblings and they can't, you know, focus on their school or their homework and they're always being interrupted because everyone's all, all yeah, in the home right? and mom's stressed and um, then the kid comes home, back to school and they're like, I couldn't get anything done. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, those are um, other factors that are in, influencing the kid and their ability to actually focus and do work. And, um, and, and sometimes, of course, like teachers are stressed as well. Yeah. And I've, I've found that for particular students, I have a few of them that um, if the teacher even just comes into school a little bit more heightened and anxious mm-hmm. um, and is like trying to regulate themselves, but those most sensitive kids pick up on it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden their anxiety, or if for instance, they have a learning difference or like um, threats or ticks or something like that, then that just gets worse throughout the day. Absolutely. And the teacher's like, I don't know what's going on. Like this kid is acting out a lot today. And I'm like, did you have a tough day or a tough weekend? And they're like, yeah, I'm so stressed. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, the platform's um, already there, right? Yeah. They come into school with at, almost at the threshold, the tipping point takes very little to tip that over them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've yeah. actually been um, talking about in, in 
including and providing more um, like coping mechanisms and relaxation skills for teachers within the pro D days. Nice. Um, so for them to be able to learn a little bit more about, okay, how do we regulate yourself so that you can regulate the classroom, right? Great. Implement more of that. Definitely. That's fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause I was going to ask like how as a school counselor, because you're not just supporting kids directly, you're supporting teachers to support the kids. And I would imagine you're seeing more kids being sent to you because teachers aren't quite sure what to do with this. How, how are you helping support teachers? Yeah, <laughs> that's a big, a big thing, and it's been a I little bet. bit more. Dif- it's been a little bit more difficult during COVID because um, I've, at pre- in previous years at the schools I've worked at, um, I have been bigger part of like pro D days and um, just you know being of more support to the teachers. Yeah. But I've tried to limit the amount of people I am in physical contact with, uh-huh. so that's been a little bit more difficult. But um, with that said, I still you know, if teachers need to even just have a quick call with me because they're struggling with a student or send Mm -hmm. off an email, I've been trying to support them as much as possible and giving them resources. Um, And then also being involved in IEP meetings and things like that, there will usually be the core teachers in that meeting as well. And Mm -hmm. they usually turn to me to ask for a few questions about like, okay, how can I um, help this kid and a few other kids in my class? And so just giving them even simple little skills to practice and um, just being, a, being aware in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have done a few kind of presentations and workshops um, at both an elementary and the high school. So that's been helpful too, is just implementing that for a few classes. I did one for like grade 12s and it was uh, like relaxation dear end yeah. because they're also stressed and heightened right they're graduating yeah. and, yes and so much so pressure I, that and then for the younger ones just like introduction to anxiety what does it feel like in your body how can you hmm. recognize it what do we do with it no. um and so just little things like that actually do help because then um the teacher doesn't have to be like okay they don't know at all what there is going on for them mm-hmm. but now i had a, a few one little girl came up to me and she showed me like i have an i have an anxiety workbook i was like awesome <laughs> yeah i was like yeah. parents need to do this more often that's so good and i was like this is great like yeah. um to make that like for parents at home to even just, um, this kind of leads into another thing I was going to say. I think it was like your, one of your questions about what can parents do and, um, just for parents to, to normalize like, Oh gosh, mom's feeling quite anxious right now. Like I'm kind of like, my heart is racing and like even just normalizing that and just like, I need to sit down for a little, like, and yeah. modeling that, right? Yeah. That things happen and some, I'm not always feeling great, and but I can mm-hmm. also regulate it, right? Okay. So um, what I love about that, and I actually just, I've been talking about that in one of the previous episodes because we talked about the spillover of anxiety into parents. Mm-hmm. If you're chronically mm-hmm. anxious as a child, that spillover of hypervigilance ends up sitting with the parents and it becomes hard for them to manage. But I, what I often see in the counseling office is parents saying, I'm doing my best to hide it. You know, like, mm-hmm. like that's serving their child, right? Which I totally get the intention. The, it's mm-hmm. a lovely idea to try and preserve um, the child's impression that you've got it together, right? Like you don't, don't worry about me as a parent, but actually we, we just dig ourselves a hole, right? Because mm-hmm parents can model for their kids how to handle it if the kids can see that you're actually dysregulated yourself. If you're off, 
you're human, you're allowed to be off. But if you don't talk about it, and you don't put it out there, it actually is really difficult for kids because they sense it anyway, right? You're not mm-hmm. really hiding it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's so true that if we try to hide things um, and hide our feelings, like I grew up in a home that was like that. Yeah. Um, and that just makes that child like, oh my gosh, they, I don't know what to do with this emotion. I don't know what to do with what's yeah. going on with me. I might be sad, but I'm laughing because I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had that modeled to me right? Mm. I might be anxious, but it's, maybe this isn't normal feeling and I don't know what to do with it. So mm. they might act out and in different ways that aren't necessarily the healthiest, right? Yeah. Um, and so to model that and, and kind of normalize, I'm not always doing great. I don't always have it put together. That's a strength in its own, right? Yeah. So. so modeling, okay, so concretely, parents can actually embrace whatever they're feeling and model for their kids that this is normal. It, they're not mm-hmm. crazy for feeling this way. And here's what I've learned to do with it so that they get to watch. So we've, we talked a lot about like in classroom yes. and I know there's not a ton of like freewheeling in the halls anymore, <laughs> but in the bigger picture of just school environment, pre-COVID and hopefully by, you mm-hmm. know, well into next year, we're going to have a different experience again, maybe somewhere in the middle. But like when, when kids are, are more on the anxious side of things, they experience anxiety kind of regularly. Mm-hmm. How do school counselors and teachers help kids manage that when they're not directly under their care, you know, like the, the hallway stuff, the, the pure, the fluidity of like pure interaction on the playground. How, how are you guys kind of facilitating that when you know a kid's particularly anxious? Mm-hmm. A lot of times the issues that I see during those times do come from more so social anxiety and um, isolating themselves. Huh. Right, the kids that tend to be a little bit more introverted and and shy and have okay. a little anxiety around being around bigger groups of people, it's either that or the kids that are a little bit more like dominating the playground, right? Yeah. A little rambunctious and all yeah. of a sudden like accidentally the energy's coming out. <laughs> yeah, and then that kid gets sad, and that just happens, right? Yeah. Um, they have the the monitors, and the people that stand there, the teachers and such that take yes. care of those rambunctious kids. Yeah. Um, but definitely for the ones that struggle with the social anxiety and are a little bit scared of even being out on the playground and being around mm-hmm. a lot of kids, yeah. um, you know, like with those kids, I continue individually working on social skills with them, and you know helping them. Okay. Well, is there like one safe person, one safe friend that you can hang out with at lunch or during recess? Um, I talk a lot about that with the kids that do have social anxieties, like their safe person, yeah. that they, their safe friend Aww. that they can be with. Um, that's just even a comfort to them. Um, and oftentimes too, like pre COVID, I would hang out at lunchtime <laughs> or during recess with the kids and yeah. just keep an eye on the, in particular the students that I see that I do know struggle in some way. Um, and so I would just kind of keep an eye out on them, make sure that they're okay. And usually they're like, Hey, Miss Byer, and yeah. they all want to play with me. Yeah. Um, so, um, 
it's, yeah, I always just like to see them in different environments. And that's one of the benefits of being a school counselor is because you can see these students in different environments, right? Yep. Um, a lot of data see, collecting, right? From how they yeah. are in the class versus the playground versus when they're heading home. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, hmm. it's not just like um, private practice counseling where you see that student <laughs> one hour a week, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. That client, you see these kids like daily, you see them walk, like they don't walk the halls that often anymore, but you, yeah. you see them and then you hear from teachers and the principal and then yeah. just all the time. Right. And you, yeah are in a lot of contact with their family. And so it is very different for sure. To work with. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope that comes back for you. Sounds like that's like an important piece of just even just relationship building, that casual, Absolutely. like touching base, right? Where they trust you. Yeah. 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 I have a lot of times too, when um, even kids I've never seen will just like come into my door and be like, oh, can we talk for like a few minutes? I'm like, sure. And I yeah. love that ability yeah. of being a school counselor is just being that one room where, um, the kids can come and, and talk. And if they, even if it's just like a tough, a tough morning, right. Or a tough weekend that they had and it's a Monday and they just need to be with someone quickly. Um, it's really an honor to be that person, hmm. right. That safe yeah. room in the school where they yeah, can talk yeah. about anything yeah. and it's not going to be gossiped about or anything like that. Right. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's an honor for sure. Before we end, I would love you to Give a snapshot of one or two key things that you want parents to know are critical for them in terms of what they can do to support their anxious kids at home. Yeah. Um, as I said, modeling, um, showing that you're not always doing great. And also just being like, um, I tend to work more so from like an emotionally focused framework of counseling. Mm -hmm. um, and so, of course, I love to talk about emotions, right? Um, but if you, if for parents, if you Google emotion-focused family therapy, there's a, a wonderful website on there. I always encourage parents to look at that, no matter um, how old their kids are, um, because there's some wonderful resources on there of like attending to emotions of your kids and validating them, um, like empathizing with your kids. That's something that we, as a our world, but in particular North American society, struggles to really empathize yeah um, we're more so like oh yeah that's hard and then yeah. okay but at least like I, I remember like growing up too it was like oh, you know what at least you have two legs and it's like <laughs> yeah mom <laughs> the bright side it, right? silver like, lining ah, totally. and it was like you know at least this and it was always the at least and I'm yes. like okay I know you're trying uh -huh. but not yeah. really getting there yeah um and so there are these skills um as I said that website like it's awesome to just um look at the way that we can validate like attend to and validate our kids emotions and let them know like hey you know what yeah mm. that is tough maybe I can't even understand how that is for you I'm here for you though through it. What do you need in this moment? Mm. Um, and, and oftentimes it's just the kid is like, I just like, that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> really just needed to say, say it out loud, right? Yeah. Acknowledge it, put it in the room. Yes. yes. Yeah. And then just sit there. Right. And yeah. oftentimes kids will feel a lot better just by you acknowledging that they are feeling something and it mm -hmm. is 100% okay to feel it. Mm. Right. I'm so, going to add that link that you mentioned. That's a powerful resource. Yeah. I'll put that in the yeah. show notes for today. So if yeah, anybody wants to check it out. Great. Yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
thank you so much for this. Um, I'm des- definitely feeling the the parent lens on this one of, yeah. I really don't know, like, and our school's pretty good at communicating, but you can only do so much one-on-one in terms of your kids specifically. So I know kind of the, what they're doing um, as a school environment to, to help navigate this stuff. But man, it is, it's hard when you can't just as a parent pop in the hall and say hi to somebody, you know, and say, Hey, how are things going? And my kid said, this, is that what's happening? What's your lens on that? So I, I love that you've given us a bit of a portal because it's been a long time since when we've been able to uh, crawl in that that window ourselves. So mm-hmm. thanks for Absolutely. doing that. Oh, yeah. anytime. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm so honored to have the position I have and to be of support to the students and their, their parents and their families. Anxiety isn't just happening in the young ones. We know that. Um, and oftentimes it's harder to reach the older kids and figure out what's going on for them. And maybe not because they don't have the language for it. Maybe it's more that they don't feel they have the connection to offer up what's happening for them. So today we're going to speak with Dave McVitie, a high school and middle school counselor, and he works individually with students as they navigate stress in life. Um, but they also, he also really focuses on how do I work with parents at the same time to equip them and the teachers um, to be their primary emotional care providers. So he's supporting the supporters. After 18 years in ministry as a pastor and a marriage and family speaker, he transitioned to full-time counseling just three years ago. He and his wife have a private practice in Abbotsford, BC. They have four kids and three grandkids and, uh, needless to say, live a very full life. Um, He brings his parent hat as well. Welcome. Okay, this is awesome that I have you because um, Megan was able to give us a real window into what the younger kids are dealing with in schools right now around anxiety. Um, But I know that stuff looks a bit different in a high school setting. So can you just give us a lay of the land of, we can't walk in the school and see our kids kind of walking around and how they're interacting with people and how often they're sitting in your office. So how is it showing up? Good question. Uh, The phrase I've been using is that it's just magnified everything. And so anything that already was there is just worse or bigger or harder to navigate for kids. And I don't like often they'll come in and they have no idea that anything that they're experience has, experiencing has anything to do with COVID or the pandemic or restrictions or anything. They just, that's almost normal to them in some senses, just adjusting constantly. Yeah. But the, the weight of having to adjust is impacting all the other areas of their lives that were already present. So I'm seeing it in navigating home life is actually a big one. So they're locked down. So um, my school is unique, well, compared to public schools at least, in that our uh, cohorts, so the number of kids per group, happen to be under the provincial limit of 120. Okay. Each grade is one cohort. Gotcha. And, and because each grade is a cohort, they can come here and they're here all day. So nobody's in half days. A lot of public schools are doing different systems like that. Um, they're here all day yeah. and they have class all day and they're with each other. And when they're in their cohorts, they don't have to wear masks in their classrooms. So there's hmm. a lot of elements of that that feel normalized to them. Okay. And I'm actually 
finding that piece of normalization is extremely helpful and healthy for them. Um, now, when they're in the halls, they have to wear masks and stuff, but not in their homerooms. Not once they're settled in, yeah. Grade-based classrooms. So, okay. Um, so I'm seeing it in everything, whether it's general anxiety, issues at home, uh, relationship issues, everything they're taking harder and heavier than they were before. And it's just, it just seems like they're carrying a lot and they don't even realize what they're carrying as a result mm. of the pandemic and things around them. That's quite the combo then, because it's everything increased, but a lack of awareness. So not really being able to name it or tag it, right? No, you can't it's, pinpoint it. It's just it. a feeling. Yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. So it's heavier, but you're not sure why. And you you yeah. feel you feel strange or awkward blaming it on the pandemic because it's yeah. it's nothing to do with it. Because everybody's going through it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And yet it is everything to do with it. So. Yeah, just feels like this heavy blanket, right? It's like, yeah, you can go on a hike, but if you're carrying weight while you're hiking, it's just that much harder. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the stark reality of just leaving. When you leave the building, you can't come back. You can't stay afterwards. Sports aren't the same. So as much as there's some normal, there's a lot of not normal. And that sets them off as well. And so they're highly dependent on connections on the school property because they can't see each other outside of the school. Right. Um, And so there's that, that tension and anxiety as well. Like, these are my friends, but... I have to rely on the internet to connect with them after I walk off this campus. Yeah. And so it becomes contained. (laughs) Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. The transition is so different from building to building, right? From home to school and from school to home. There's no, there's, there's no fizzle out. There's no chat for 20 extra minutes on the, you know, at the front of the school before. No, nothing. It's just, okay, put your mask on and go home. Mm -hmm. Wow. And don't you dare come back. <laughs> and don't you, once, t- yeah. Once you're off we're property, cleaning. You can't come yeah. <laughs> we're cleaning. Oh, seriously. Mm-hmm. So what do you see in the classroom? It's actually pretty interesting. Uh, this might sound backwards, but I'm not hearing huh. a ton of issues with the teachers. So awesome. we've, we've changed, we've shifted all of our programming uh, to be two classes per day. So it's over two hours in two classes uh, every day. So it's pretty heavy, but they have to make it through a lot of content in order to keep up with the condensed format. For Um, sure. There's no stretch. So that piece of it, I've seen a lot of anxiety around. Like I have to learn so much and I'm not used to Mm -hmm. it. I can't process it. What do I do with that? And So there's a lot of desire for added help. and The learning assistance sort of department is extra busy. Yeah. Um, so there is some piece of anxiety there. If I don't get it today, I'm going to fail. Like, right. I don't have the window of a week or two or a month even to learn this content. Um, well, yeah. And before parents were keeping their kids home for higher levels of symptoms, right? Now we're like sneezing and you yeah. better stay home just in case, right? So now kids are at a higher risk of just missing the day. If they miss the day, it's a it's three classes typically three classes worth of time, right? Covered. Yes. And that they miss. Uh, yeah. At least, at least in the high school, a lot of teachers are either recording or live streaming their, their lessons anyway. Mm-hmm. So okay. that's one piece that they're doing to intentionally avoid, you know, the added anxiety of being sick or missing things. Yeah. 
And it also makes it an easier transition if it goes to a home lockdown again and no school. Then Yep. So there's a lot of kids who really like the new format and their anxiety is less because they don't have to worry about two classes at a time. Well, four right now, but two per day. Oh. Yeah. We were at a eight classes every day all year system yeah. before. Um, so that wow. has eased. That, kind, that piece of change for many has eased some of the tension. Uh, mm -hmm. But they're still they're still carrying it without knowing it, like you kind of mentioned. Mm -hmm. they, they walk in and they're carrying the stress and the anxiety of of COVID, of norm, not knowing what's next. When's the end of this? Yeah, all the pieces of their home life that they may be carrying as well. So in those senses, I almost feel like they're compartmentalizing or even dissociating more effectively, mm -hmm. which is not so, yeah checking good. out. Yeah. So here I'll just learn. I'll just focus on this. And if I get through this assignment, then I can think about this other category of my life later. Huh. Um, yeah, it's not as fluid. It's very concentrated, no. right? And hmm. segmented, like compartmentalizing life a lot yeah. more as well, which in the long term is yeah. going to be tricky for them to work. Through. It is tricky. Totally. How do you support the teachers to support the kids? Um. Good question. So what I've been focusing on actually uh, is the emotion-focused school support stuff that you kind of implied or yeah, indicated yeah, earlier. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. So it just so happened that I had a chance to teach both the middle and the high school teachers uh, in a pro-D in November <laughs> how to validate. Essentially, there's a lot more to it, yeah. but the biggest piece of that is validate. So whatever discomfort or whatever action or behavior they're they're expressing in a given moment just to acknowledge that it makes sense hmm. um, that they're not alone, that we hear them understand where they are, even if they don't necessarily understand where they are. Yeah. And, um, and that lets them know they're not alone. And that piece of not being alone stabilizes uh, them internally and allows them to re-engage in learning again. It's ridiculously powerful. It is. <laughs> like I often, you know, I often think of uh, talking about just coping strategies for anxiety that we start with our bodies and breathing, deep breathing. And yeah. it's so underestimated, right? We go, oh yeah, breathe, whatever. It's like, <laughs> I can skip yeah. that step. That's too basic. It's like, no, actually, if you can't do that step, you can't do the rest either. So it's so just foundational validations in that category too, right? If we nail mm -hmm. that, we have access to the kid. If we skip that step, they are not engaged or hearing us. They don't feel understood. Right. Super like critical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the middle school, speaking of breathing, they take breathing breaks, they take walk breaks, they do all sorts of things to sort of engage the body of the students down there. Great. Uh, up, up here in the high school side, they don't have the breathing breaks as much as they do literal breaks where yep. that grade goes into the halls and they can talk and en engage with each other. The social a, piece. Yeah. in a very necessary social way that they can't get at home. Like oh, I know. Yeah. It's tough for parents to have any kind of meaningful contact with staff um, at schools. And I know a lot of parents will say my teen doesn't, even on a good day, my teen doesn't come home and tell me how they've been. <laughs> like right. they're, they're not telling me volunteer. And sometimes if I ask, they just are so done by the end of the day, they don't have the energy to tell me what's going on. 
how do I access and partner with the school to, to kind of transition what I know is going to be helpful for my kid at home? And then like, are we on the same page in terms of the support that they get when I drop them off? If you've got a specific concern, uh, contact either the teacher or the counselor at the school to ask them how their kid's doing and, and see if you can check in with them or whatever. So I'll get that on a semi-regular basis. A parent will call and say, hey, this is how my kid's acting at home. How are they there? Yeah. I'll check. Yeah. Kind of grounding and stabilizing because we need each other to understand how what mm-hmm. we see here isn't necessarily translating at home. So we don't mm-hmm. know what's coming into the building. Um, okay. And I'll, I'll generally walk through some principles of emotion coaching with them and, and validating and um, give them some tools that they can utilize at home to create that deeper attachment, which yeah. open up. Like if their kid is just saying, I don't know, mm-hmm. here's what you do. If you can't get them to share anything, here's what you do. The gateway. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just bridge that gap. So they know that they're safe and it's worth opening up and it's, it's not work for them at that point because you understand <laughs> them more than they know or realize. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond that basic, it's not easy when I say basic is, I don't mean easy, but like the, the platform has kind of been laid. Um, what do you suggest parents do if their kids are particularly struggling with anxiety? This isn't so much about inside the school, but if you're, if your child is wrestling with anxiety to that degree, um, I would almost beg, please don't ask whether it's a good idea for your kid to get counseling. Um, hmm. assume it is it's the counseling isn't like a last resort it's like a here's a support that you have the option of you don't have to play a guessing game with your child if you bring them in you can help make sure they're okay instead of waiting for things to fall apart yeah. and so um if you wanted as the school counselor if you wanted me to check with your child to see how they're doing i could do that uh create a normalization of sorts for counseling and just feel out their state and then let you know with their permission, of course, um, yeah. if they've given permission to sort of, yeah, I want to try counseling out and stuff. So yeah, uh, communicating back and forth is super important. Being there for your kids and just making space for them. So mm-hmm. speaking of normalizing, like if, if you see your, your child with a lot of extra anxiety, do your best to notice what you're feeling. Because if, if you're feeling stuff, they may be even feeling your stuff. Yeah. So they're, they're doubling up. But because it's silent, they don't know they can vocalize it. Yeah. They don't know it's normal. They don't know it's okay to feel what they're feeling. And if all you're doing is um, reacting and, mm-hmm. oh, no, how do I fix this? Almost to emergencies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then they're still not sort of in a place of realizing what they're feeling is okay and that you'll be there for them. Yeah. That's, I mean, essentially it's creating the safety, right? Yeah. Yeah, But it's the safety creation, right? Like even if there aren't a whole lot of words to validate, at least you're sending a signal that maybe I'm not okay either. And that's okay. It's okay not to be okay. Right. Like we're we're all okay together. We're not okay to, you're just not alone. That's the goal. You're not alone. And the need for that depth of attachment in a world right now that just feels like it's chaos everywhere else. Yeah, it's so isolating. Yeah, that stable relationship Mm -hmm. with you at home is so important. 
but I also recognize that you're navigating your own stuff. Yeah. Just where do you go from here and how do you feel all the things you're feeling? Um, but it's okay if you don't know all the answers <laughs> because if you're not okay and your, your child's not okay, being not okay together somehow brings you closer. I love how concrete you've been and how helpful you've been in giving us a window into what half of their day looks like in a different environment, how we can reach them. Um, that validation might seem like a basic tool, but it's critical. Um, that's something everybody can do. Parents can do this stuff. So thank you for your time. I know you've got uh, a lot to go back to dealing with, so I'll let you go. But this has been great, Dave. Thank you. No problem. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to take a look at today's show notes, where you'll find related resources and my letter from the trenches. If you're wanting to know a little bit more about my work, please subscribe to my Living Room Learning page at my.thrive-life.ca forward slash LRL series. I'll be able to keep you posted on new tools and resources that I put out in the world, and it'll allow us to get to know one another a bit better. You can also follow me on Instagram and Facebook where I share links to my projects, offer up free tools to support you and your family, and I keep things real from a parenting perspective. Standing shoulder to shoulder with you, knee deep in the mud, let's talk again next week.